everybody. Welcome back to day two. This is the start of something special at HR Tech in Las Vegas. I'm Brian Fink. He's Ryan Leary. And we are in the Talent Acquisition Content Lounge powered by the team at Oleo. We're excited to be joined by two CEOs, not one, but two CEOs, two, two different companies, two different organizations. They're going to tell us a little bit about what they're seeing out in the landscape as it pertains to all things talent acquisition. As we're talking about all things talent acquisition, I got to turn it over and immediately say to Ryan, Ryan, you look super dapper this morning. Oh, did dapper. You, did you get 12 hours of sleep? Uh, <laughs> no. No, I did not. Did you? Uh, no, I did not get 12 hours of sleep. Uh, I am running on the the Bubba-powered Starbucks of uh, 20 it ounces. It says of, Bubba. It says Bubba. For those of you Bubba. who are, are new to the show, my nickname is Bubba. For those of you who are, are repeat offenders. Let, let's clarify that is not my nickname uh-huh. for him. No. Uh-uh. That is not my nickname. That is Starbucks' nickname. Yeah, yeah. So, so to get things started, I we have Matt from Criteria, Criteria who's here with us today. We've got John... We, <laughs> We've got Josh. I'm sorry. I, I don't know. I'm mad at you. We've got Josh that's here from Criteria today. Oh, and CEO number one. It's CEO number two. <laughs> We've got... The polo playing. The polo playing. CEO <laughs> number two. We've got Josh from Visage. Welcome to the program, gentlemen. How are you? How is your HR tech going? Uh, it's going well. Yeah, thanks for having me. Lean in just a little bit because yep. we want the good people to hear what you got to say. Yeah. Josh, Amazing. how are things Thank, going? Yeah, thanks for having me. I haven't had 12 hours of sleep either. So, <laughs> you had a 12-hour flight. I, not, not even, you know, only three hours flight back to oh. Austin. Well, that's not no, bad. Don't so complain. We've, we've got Austin in L.A. in the house. Josh, real quick, to kind of kick us off now that uh, I, I'm not calling you Matt. Um, <laughs> Matt, tell us about Criteria. Matt, t- tell us about Criteria. What, <laughs> what are you... Give us a 30,000-foot view. Who are you? What are you doing? What's the problem that you're trying to solve? Yeah. So Criteria is a, what we call a talent success company. So we have a suite of tools that basically help companies make better hiring decisions and better talent decisions. So uh, the core of the product is assessments. Um, and we also have uh, interviewing tools, structured interviewing, video interviewing, um, and also some post-hire tools for team building. Oh, I, I like that, post-hi- that post-hire part because I get really concerned that there's one culture that is persistent in the recruiting process and we over index on that and then they and then a candidate gets to an organization and they're like this is not what i was sold this is yeah so so i like that over to my friend here Josh. what is going on what is what is visage what what's a thirty thousand foot view on that one yeah visage so candidate sourcing we've got two products uh visage which is a product for a large enterprise we help automate the candidate sourcing process. So instead of looking at resumes one by one, spend your life on LinkedIn, you can automate it with us. And Hopworld, that's our brand new product, AI native, generative AI product, where you can involve your hiring managers in the hiring process and they can speak to a recruiter, co-pilot. I like that word, I like co-pilot a lot because when I think of generative AI, I think of it as a little robot that sits on my shoulder like a parrot, Ryan. It's been used a lot. Over I'm, the making, last I'm, day. I'm making this as a Star Wars reference, Ryan. What, oh, what is a yeah, parrot? Yeah, a no, parrot never mind. In, uh... You're not picking up on this. Oh, it's, a, it's a ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. If you're just joining the program, Ryan Leary has no recollection of the movie Star Wars. In... No recollection. I haven't seen it. Neither has Josh. And I'm afraid Josh. I'm have not you not seen, seen Star either. Wars? I have seen it many times. <laughs> okay, fantastic. All right. Yeah. Okay, so we have to change his name again. <laughs> okay, so so real quick, the question I'd ask is that both of you brought up AI and you used it in the context of empowering talent acquisition as a co-pilot. Um, 
How is this impacting the space today? And also, how is it impacting the candidate experience? Who wants to take that first? Uh, I can start. Uh, okay, no. So uh, it's interesting. Like it's obviously a huge theme of the conference. Like every booth has something connected to AI. Um, and if you were to just come here, I think you would conclude that like everyone is using it everywhere. Um, we just released like a, an annual uh, research report that we do with uh, we call it the, the hiring benchmark study. And actually, um, in terms of the HR people we surveyed, only 12% admit to using it in their talent acquisition process. So it's kind of like this weird... Um, Are they afraid to tell the truth? I, I know. like the, To the, tell the truth? <laughs> the number struck me as really low, and it's just like when you come here, it's kind of, you know, uh, you get the impression that everyone's using it. So I think we're still at like an early stage of adoption, but there's a lot of excitement around it and a lot of, uh, you know, sort of wait and see as well, I think. so. Do you think that the recruiters who don't adopt AI are going to be left behind? Yeah, I mean, I think there's like at, at the top of the funnel, and I'm sure you can speak to this, there's some really um, interesting and relatively uncontroversial uses of AI to just make things more efficient. So I think that's like undoubtedly a trend. We're, we play more in the area of like candidate selection and employee selection, and that's an area where because of, you know, it's highly regulated, um, there's a little more caution around some of the uh, uses. So. We're taking a measured approach. We definitely incorporate it into our product, but we're being really deliberate about that. There's you know, new regulations out of New York City around the NYC 144, yeah. yep. Exactly. So, um, so we're uh, adopting it a ton internally uh, to make our teams more efficient, and we're thinking you know, carefully about how to do it in the customer-facing uh, side. Okay, so about the customer-facing side, I'm going to use that as a tip-off to so, you, my mm-hmm. friend. What, what's going on in that in that space? Yeah, I think you know the the buzzword generative AI is, is omnipresent, um, and I agree with Josh. It's twelve uh, percent of uh, use uh, of companies using it, um, but it's about to revolutionize everything. I think this is going to be a game changer. And to answer your question, how it's going to change what recruiters do, what we do in talent acquisition. I think it's going to make uh, you know the top of the funnel. What you know this part of sourcing selection, engagement, more automated. So we are going to be able to focus on more the you know, uh, interview parts uh, and employer, employer brand and, and so on. So it's it's real game changer. And if to answer your question, if you are a recruiter today and your specialty or what you pride yourself to do well is looking at resumes, matching them with job and so on, I think you, you're going to need to use AI to do that much more and do, do that at a 10x uh, rate. Curious, uh, for, for the clients that you all work with, and both both of you, outside of the, the obvious, interview scheduling, things like that, where do you see AI in current form taking, giving the most impact inside the process? I think the, one of the good use cases I've seen generative AI um, be effective at is to widen the talent pool. Uh, as humans or with the legacy technology, when you match candidates to job, it's pretty much keywords or it's limited to the I hate that. I hate keyword matching. I really like. I, yep. Keyword look, I, Ringo. No, I, I use it. I use it, but I don't think that that should be the sole variable that you should use. So as an example, in our platform, Hopward, um, say there is a candidate that is put forward and you as a hiring manager say, why did you put forward this candidate? Uh, they don't have this skill. The AI will be able to respond to you and say, hey, whilst the resume doesn't state that, they've worked with this framework and therefore they have 
this competence mm -hmm. or it's uh, something they can transfer. And that's something that is going to be very hard for a recruiter to do unless they are specialized in that field. And then, no, there are not many. Java is to Java is to JavaScript is ham is to hamburger, <laughs> right? And 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 the AI will never make the confusion, as you know. Uh, whereas you know that's that's the oldest joke so in recruiting. <laughs> similar to when Rich Mendez was on yesterday. Oh, Hire from Higher Logic, yeah. Same idea. They do the voice, the 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 AI through voice interview. But they're able to then make the connection between different skill sets and what the soft skill would be for the recruiter as yeah. they deliver to the hiring manager. Same idea. So widening the talent pool, you know, it, more, it means more diversity in your uh, mm -hmm. process. It means that not only the people that put all the right things, that brag on their resume, are going to get on the top of the pile. So I think it's a great opportunity. Yep. So we, we're talking about bragging on the resume for a second. Is there any... Is there any, like, I think that the blockchain is going to be huge in recruiting when blockchain 2.0 comes around, right? Is it'll be able to validate in real time whether a person has done what they say they've done. Mm -hmm. are, you are, are you seeing any type of conflation or inflation inside of resumes for candidates in this competitive job market? Yeah, I mean, so we're not big fans of resumes, period, at <laughs> Criteria. Um, I think, uh, you know, they're so ubiquitous, they're not going away. Um, but our issue with, um, you know, I share a lot of your skepticism about uh, keyword matching. Um, it's a fundamentally, like, backward-looking thing, right? Well, what you get from a resume is you get some sense of the person's, like, educational pedigree and their work history, Right. Um, and both of those things are actually, like, there's a lot of research that shows they're kind of weak signals in terms of predicting outcomes. So you talk about, you know, opening up the pipeline at, at the top of the funnel. I think in this, like, labor market where we're in a, you know, multi-decade labor shortage type situation, we absolutely, absolutely need to do that. And so the question is, what's the best way to do that? Um, a lot of our tools are kind of measuring, trying to sort of create like a, a multi-dimensional model of a candidate. Like what skills do they have? What attributes do they have? And you can use that not only to inform a hiring decision, but then post-hire as well. From a talent mobility perspective, um, you know, you get a really good um, sort of map or model of a, of a person and what they might be able to do in the future. That switch just flipped in my head as you were talking about the modality, right? Is that is this information kept with the recruiters or is it shared with the hiring managers so that they don't just make a great hiring decision, they make a great, if you will, retention is the new recruiting, that they make a great retention decision as well. Yeah, and that's top of mind, especially like in enterprise, I think, right? Like talent mobility and, and growth and development are maybe a little bit less important for smaller businesses just because they don't have the scale to really make like talent mobility a real thing, right? You can't do much with talent mobility if you have like three job openings, right, at any point. But if you have hundreds, it's it's really powerful. Um, sure, sure. Um, about talent mobility, what do you... that? that that, I feel, was a buzzword at the beginning of the year, mm -hmm. all right? Um, and uh, we were having a conversation about how everybody is talking about AI at this conference. Is there anybody that you've seen or, or you've heard from or a voice we need to have on the podcast that is really an authority on talent mobility? Because I think that retention is important, and you are clearly speaking that language, and I can understand the ROI that would be delivered on it. Is there anybody that comes to mind that we need to that we need to tap yeah. into for talent who's mobility? Doing good? Who's a good use case here? I think um, if you talk to uh, 
Marcus, who is the head of um, TA and technology at, and innovation at Siemens AG. Okay. Uh, they, this is something that they have been working on for uh, many, many years. They are a huge, you know, company, uh, and they've been, you know, looking for technology and processes to improve. Uh, and and I think that's that's a very hard problem to solve. You know, the um, the first hurdle is the fact that you uh, when you hire someone in your team you don't want this person to go and work for a colleague of yours for the next 18 months for two years but that's not what's happening in the open market you know you can grab a job and grab another job in six months so you are competing not against your colleagues but against the, uh, the open market but, uh, but when people are taking a new job every six months have they really made an impact on the business because we're talking about tooling that helps ensure through the interview process and the recruiting process and the onboarding process that they're impactful in the business. Is somebody actually impactful within the... Definitely. I'm seeing shaking heads. No. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's the... I, I, I've seen one company that does it super well in Europe. It's called Schlumberger. They are in the oil service mm -hmm. uh, business and they, um, they pride themselves of changing people's... Uh, of rotating their people every two years. So it means you could oh, work the in the... tour duty model. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. right. Okay. You work yeah, in HR for two yeah. years, you work in uh, in operation for two years, and that has created the, the lowest attrition model uh, there is. It's very hard to replicate, it's part of their DNA. So that's my answer for that. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I, I'm not sure if this is where you were going with your question, but I do think like there's the, the amount of buzz around talent mobility actually is a little ahead of what how it's been productized, you know, how companies are going after it. So I definitely uh, share that. We have a woman on our board named Anna Reccio who used to head up like uh, TA at Salesforce and, and she was at SoFi and she's now at Uber. And she joined our board a few years ago. And at that point I had like barely heard of talent mobility and she's a big proponent of it. You have to be sort of at enterprises of that scale to really, to really care about it, I think. Um, and there's definitely companies that are using it a ton, like vendors in their, in their marketing but in terms of like where the products are, I do think they're lagging behind the, um, the buzz a little bit. And there's also, it's like hard to sort of estimate what the TAM is for talent mobility, right? Mm. It's, so far it's tiny compared to talent acquisition more, more broadly, I think. Um, so people are raising a lot of money off it. I'm mm -hmm. not sure that they're selling a ton of things that like directly address it. Well, they're, they're, selling, they're selling a lot of it, but is it, is it generating ROI for the business, right? right? Is it impactful? Yeah. I, I think, I mean, over the years, I think it's the same as a lot of these tools that have a diversity module, but the company does nothing with it, mm -hmm. right? They bring it in, they have diversity sourcing or something to that effect, right. but there's no program around it. And we, I think we touched on this yesterday. We did. We touched on the yeah. belonging piece because, yeah. like, I'm big on that. Like, Right, right. But there's no, there's no program around it. Therefore, it's just a module. Like, I'm doing these three things. We're good. We check the box. Right. But it doesn't go any further. I think mobility is the same in that yeah. same category. Yeah, so there's a little bit of shelf shelf wary mm. kind of uh, still. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Okay, so the second part of the question that we opened this can of worms with. <laughs> there was a second part. Yeah, there was. For two hundred, we will take candidate experience. We did. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So we asked that. Who wants to explain? I mean, is is AI going to make candidate experience that much better? Is it going to make it stickier? What What are your thoughts on that? I think that pro that. In one way, you could think that generative AI is going to make the uh, asymmetry of information, matching candidates and jobs more effectively, opening up opportunities to people that didn't have all the right things and breaking on their resume and, and so on. So that's kind of the, uh, the promise. Uh, the other part is 
timely uh, answers on your application, perhaps, mm -hmm. uh, as opposed to wait for some, a human to review your resume and say reject. Six months later, you could potentially be uh, have a response in minutes for hourly jobs or you know days for a professional job. Now, no, no, wait, wait. Under under NYC one forty four though, you can't. Uh, a machine cannot auto-reject, it cannot make a decision That's right. based on that. That's right, but the machine can help you, you know, with a system of flags, decide much quicker whether a candidate, <coughs> and so you'll have to verify for sure, it's going to highlight JavaScript experience, um, uh, MongoDB, and so on, and then you make your uh, human judgment based on what, uh, on, on, a summary, on a summary that's very easy to, uh, to grasp. So yeah. the, the key thing in the bias law, right, is like, and this is the way we think it. Think about it is that you can use data-driven tools, um, including AI, to like inform a decision, to exactly. make a better decision. You can't, and you probably shouldn't be outsourcing the actual decision to an algorithm, right? So, um, as long as Absolutely. there's sort of some human involvement, um, and I think like the, the the place that the law kind of misses the mark that I'm concerned about is like it's it's regulating the use of AI in hiring, but the existing, like the status quo, is full of bias, right? And right. so it's like, sure. okay, we're, we're, we're trying to fix a real problem here, yeah. and the fix can have some issues if you, if you do it Even wrong. Even with the yeah. recommendations, yeah. there's yeah. going to be issues, right? Like I you want, said. I want to piggyback on, on what you said. Like the, the, the industry as a whole, especially in large companies, is worried that these systems are going to introduce bias. Mm -hmm. And you're right. Bias is everywhere it's in the there. system, everywhere. the process yeah. right now, and it's human-based uh, bias. Uh, mm -hmm. And I think it's, it's going to be very important to educate the talent acquisition leaders so they can see actually that could remove a lot of the biases, especially in the early stages of the, uh, the process, and, and remove perhaps, you know, when you, we are talking about a human needs to review this thing, mm -hmm. uh, remove the uh, demographic data out of this decision. Just look at, you know, the skills, the resume, remove where they went to college, uh, mm -hmm. if that's going, going to influence. And, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. and, and the, on the candidate experience side, you asked about candidate experience, like, I think overall, like, um, and we've done a survey on this, like, on the candidate side, there's generally like a pretty positive sentiment towards um, some of the like uncontroversial uses mm -hmm. of AI. Like you're, you're talking about like the top of the funnel, getting a response quicker, mm -hmm. getting, you know, not being ghosted as much when you submit your resume into the ATS abyss, you know. Um, and candidates are like all for that, I think. Um, when you get to some of the use cases where the candidate has no idea how the AI is being used and it's more black box, then you get into some exactly. more skepticism about it and, and a creepiness factor. But at the top of the funnel, if it means they get responses quicker, they get scheduled for an interview quicker, I think it's like the sentiment there is very positive from candidates. So the counterpart for that and the counter argument is Gen AI is gonna make it very easy mm -hmm. to customize your resume to positions and do that at scale. Mm -hmm. So we already have an issue of influx of applicants, huge amount that we need to go through, systems can help, but what if anybody can customize their, uh, their resume to that specific job? Uh, how, can, do we, uh, how do you ask? Yeah, yeah you, you could do it. I mean, we've always but massaged the resume, but yeah. it was a manual process. Now yeah, you can do it in seconds. Done. No, but, yeah. but the thing is, is I would want to hire that person who is a great prompt engineer who can automate some of their mm -hmm. work away, yeah. right? It's like hacking mentality. Until they get on yes, your team and I they like can't that. do hacking the <laughs> modality. I like that. I'm going to steal that phrase. I think there's a fine line, though, right? I mean, like mm. you want to hire someone who knows how to use the technology, 
But if they get in, they're full of shit. Like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Hold on. Aren't we all? (laughs) (laughs) Speak for yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. No, no, no. I I agree with that. We okay. All right. Like, I I was going to call you out on that. I always go back to there is a, and I got to look this up. So I always talk about it, but I forget the guy's name. He, I think, he was a Yahoo employee that outsourced his entire development job overseas. Do you remember this story? Like he creative, out, yeah. Yeah, he outsourced and he he worked there for years, but he outsourced the entire thing to contractors, managed the entire and handed the work and did the whole thing. And he got fired. Right. But that's pretty creative. Have you heard about um, the on Reddit you've got the overworked um, um, category? Whereby actually software engineers that are on contract or on mm. job, they have five jobs. They are running, they are working for five different companies. Right. Uh, and of course, they use gener- uh, generative AI to do a lot of their work. They can mm. code uh, five times as fast. And at the end of the day, the employers are happy not firing them for performance issues. So I wonder what, what that means, how we should feel about that. I'm okay with people having multiple jobs. Okay. I don't, I don't, I mean, now. Even if you pay for their full time and. Well, if you're paying, I mean, you're you're paying them for their skill, right? Mm -hmm. So kind of like if you're getting your your kitchen done or plumbing done in the house, do you want the plumber with two years of experience as 50 bucks or the 20 year who's going to get it done in. Yeah, but I don't don't want the roofer fixing my plumbing. (laughs) Well, exactly. Okay. Uh, Point. Yeah. It is interesting. I love that we're all laughing about that. I'm like, that was the dumbest thing I could have said on this program. It's, but and it's, everybody's it's true. Like, no, but it's, it's true. But I, I don't know. I, I've learned when we, we redid a kitchen remodel. This was a couple years back. Pay, pay what the skills were. We, we skipped out on a couple of things, and I'm paying for it now. But the majority of it was done right. We paid top dollar for most of it mm-hmm. until we got to a spot. We don't need that. Actually, I want to completely turn away from that, and I want to go back to the development question about developers who are working multiple jobs. Are they working multiple jobs because they can or because they're not challenged in their existing role? Oh, that's a good question. I think it's I've, because they can and want money. I think both. As in, you know, they, they can get away with minimum work and not being noticed uh, if they don't you know, uh, go the extra mile, and, and they can. And they are not, go on Reddit, there's an entire playbook on how to do that and not being caught. Yeah. This is like, you've got people making a software engineer, $1.5 million. I, I read this on Medium. I read yeah. this on Medium all the time. It, it's funny, because like in a remote environment, like we, we try to, you know, judge people on outputs and not, yeah. you mm-hmm. know. But <laughs> if I found out that one of my team members was working five jobs, I'm not sure I would like that theoretical focus on outputs. So I know. Sure I would yeah. want to yeah. sit down with them and ask yeah. them, how are you doing this? Right. And, uh, yeah. and what's your burnout look yeah. like, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Can, but can you stop them? I think is the next question. I think it's, I a, I think five, it's an, I think it's an ethical question, right? Like, yeah. you know, most organizations, um, you both are CEOs. I'm sure that you have people sign paperwork that says, hey, Anything that is a work conflict, we need yep. to know about it in advance. Right. We need to have sure. that conversation up front. Definitely. Um, yeah. So, but how you enforce that is, is pretty pretty hard. <laughs> That's, I mean, so, is it enforceable? It's a question. And yeah. by the way, it's not only software developer, recruiters, contract recruiters. There's you know, a lot and, of recruiters and, out mm-hmm. there. 
I think Fink does that. No, you I have do like not. Five, <laughs> <laughs> Mac How many what? invoices? No, I am super. I'm super busy. Right? Shots fired. Shots fired. <laughs> yeah. How, how so? How how would McAfee take it if they're oh, developing? It's a it's an it, I, I think a it's an, it's a non-negotiable. I mean, when you think about what we do to secure the internet and to keep families and individuals safe across the web, mm-hmm. we want you all in. We want you fully committed to what we're doing. That was convincing. I know. No, dude, that's I, why I I'm love. All that's, in. No, that's what I love about what we do. Like, if I can get pitchy <laughs> for a second, is that you know, at McAfee, we're there to make sure that the things that go bump in the night don't mm-hmm. bump you offline in the middle of the night. That they don't steal your data, they don't steal your mm-hmm. information. That they that we keep you safe. And um, I'm just blessed that I get to do great work with great people. They're still paying you. Don't worry. I know they are. <laughs> it's, 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 you know. Well, guys, this has been fantastic. Thank Glad you. Glad we got you both on. I think we should arm wrestle for the uh, title of CEO. Title. <laughs> oh.